You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We've got the kiln fired up. We've got the furnace prepped. We're about to unsheath the laser fire of Torah. Yes, Rizcha Daraisa is coming your way. But first, if you own a retail business and accept credit cards, your customers are getting points, miles, and all sorts of rewards every time they use their card, and you're paying the price. That's why NRS Pay, a product of National Retail Solutions, a division of the IDT Corporation, offers its cash discount program, FeeBuster. You can start accepting credit cards for free. If your business processes over $18,000 a month, you pay no monthly fee and $0 out of your pocket for transaction. This means you, as a retailer, can enjoy the benefits of accepting plastic, and your customers still get those crucial miles they crave and need. NRS Pay FeeBuster provides every client with a free credit card reader with no long-term contract, no early termination fee, cancel anytime without a penalty. I'm personally familiar with this company, and they truly stand by their product, and they'll help you with live, stateside-based customer service on any issue or question. Visit nrspay.com or call 833-289-2767 to learn more about NRS Pay and the fantastically fair fee buster. If it's Memorial Day, this must be Rizcha although I know you are not going to be listening to this on Memorial Day, dear listeners. It still is a day that Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Yisif Kavriel Bechafer and I have a less than our usual hectic schedules and we're able to record. Rabbi Yisif, up in Rockland County, uh, are there any cemeteries that uh, have uh, fallen soldiers that uh, the yeshivas are going to to visit them and paying tribute to the brave American soldiers who have defended this country and vouchsafed the liberties that have allowed this country to become such a haven for the Jewish people? I'm sure as many as as in Elizabeth. In Union County, yes. It should be done, though. I mean, it would be a wonderful Kiddush Hashem if Jewish children would trek out on this day when probably their secular uh, teachers probably do not want to come in and to use it as a day to inform of some of the incredible sacrifices that American soldiers have made. But I think you're right. I don't know if any American children are going, how many American children are going to the cemeteries and are, are recognizing what's going on. It's obviously a day for cookouts and barbecues and, you know, uh, enjoying beautiful weather that we're having here in the Northeast. But, you know, I, I think it's an opportunity to to make a Kiddush Hashem in that way. And uh, we miss it. We miss that opportunity. There, of course, were unfortunately among the Korbonis were many, many Jewish soldiers who fought valiantly in World War II, who actually uh, wanted to fight in World War II and to be involved there. I think, you know, it, it, I'm, the reason I'm talking about this, because you sent me a picture about something, uh, a picture that was in the midst of World War II from uh, 1941, picture of uh, Talmidim of Merkaz Arav, who had, who as the recently arrived Briskerov, who had made it out of the hell of Europe, and was now uh, in Eretz Yisrael, the Talmidim of Merkaz Harav felt that they should have a meshalachat to come be makabu ponim, this Torah giant. 
I didn't see it, the picture in all of its clarity, but it's a typical picture of yeshiva guys in the 1940s, all in colored types of uh, suits. And of course, not not bearded, but um, not black hats. Yeah, not the black hats, right? All different types of fedoras. <laughs> George Raft and uh, Edward G. Robinson wore similar ones during the same period in many of the Hollywood gangster movies. <laughs> their, crowds, their crowds were higher. She said uh, Robinson had to compensate for a shortness. <laughs> he was, it was he, he, again, I, I have to put in a little plug for another thing that's on our platform here. The projectionist has smicha. You guys can find it at the same platform that you can find Rizka Daraisa, where Rabbi Yitzhak Kolakowski and myself talk about old films, including some of the great performances of, uh, of Edward G. Robinson, of course, is, a, a was a proud Jew, actually, and a proud supporter of Israel. But anyway, point being is that uh, you were very taken by this picture and by the fact that here they were going to meet the Briskarov, and of course, they were Tamidim America's Harav, which meant that they were Ba'ad, the uh, burgeoning and developing Medina. And of course, the Briskarov was a firm misnagat to anything having to do uh, with uh, the forming of an Israeli uh, Jewish government. And here they were, of course, meeting and being macabre upon him and being macabre at each other. And I think you wrote, you took like a, a, you took sort of a page out of Mad Magazine and you wrote, this is to file it under the when we could still get along department. Yep. I don't know if Mad Magazine was your inspiration, but. <laughs> I, 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 not not to consciously, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. What is it that you are, uh, you're showing me something here on the screen, something, a, a rare picture that has been discovered by Rabbi Yaakov Meshach Harlap's great-grandson. What was it that he found? picture of uh, at Rabbi David Slavich's Chasna. From uh, left to right, they are appearing picture of Rabbi Harlap, Rabbi Zalman, Rabbi Skarov, Rabbi Slavich, and uh, an unnamed player. <laughs> yeah, he's the one whose face is mostly in the camera. I see that. Rabdobin Salvechik, I actually can see, I had this close to see him a number of times. I can see Rabdovid there in that picture. And it's very much the, the Tsuras Apodim of Rabdovid. And uh the uh and Rav Karlap, you know, if you take a look at all these 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 perso- personages in this picture, you can see the type of nefeshi law Rav Karlap, I think, radiates. Are they all yeah, but I'm saying Rav Harlap himself. I mean, you're talking here about uh, Rav Kook's Talmud Muvak, a Makubo, someone who was a, a Baruch HaKadosh together with his Rebbe. You know, and there's a reason, one of the reasons why uh, Rav Harlap was not chosen as the chief rabbi was because he was such a, uh, they felt that he couldn't speak English well enough to deal with the authorities. And he was generally, uh, you know, such a mystically inclined person. You know, if you look at his mystical writings and his Biurim and Pirkayovas and other things, you realize that you're talking about someone on a Dargi Ilah, Ma'oid, just like his Rebbe Rav Kook. And the same thing, of course, is, is true to Rabbi Yitzhak Karieli and, uh, you know, the author of the Naim Lamishpot. We're talking about Anoshim Gedeulim. I mean, the, the, the students of Merkaz Arav that were part of that glorious period that was uh, when Harry Fischel, the Harry Fischel Institute was sort of Merge with them in some fashion. You're talking about the Gedele Yisroh of Shimon Starelitz. I mean, these are people that, these are people that, that are, are not, they are anakim in, in, in every area. Midas, in terms of their lumdis, has anyone ever bested of Shimon Starelitz in terms of his agos on Rishonim? 
he's mamish a hundred percent simzach. Every single footnote that he makes is 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 perfect. Die tragically young, yes. So you know you know you have you know obviously the people who are surrounding Rav Kook and were later part of America's Arav were Anoshim Gidoy with Moed, but but. You know, as I wrote you in a little response, you know, numbers have a way of of destroying things. You know, when you have a small number and everyone recognizes that you know, the the amount of B'nai Torah is limited. So even though they understood that there were rifts and differences between them, Hashkofa, they recognized the, the greatness. Um, Rav Neria has written beautifully about the real story of the relationship between Rav Kook and the Chazanish. Uh, and a number of articles. Now, again, he's prejudiced in some ways, but he has assembled a number of uh, wonderful sources to indicate that the story that they were, you know, be min of small uh, and, and never the twain shamit is, is, is completely a sheker. And even the Eva Masse, which, of course, is the description of the incredible journey that uh, Rav Kook Zohan of Rocha took, along with Rav Yosef Chaim and the others, uh, to all the areas in Eretz Yisrael is, 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 I think should be required reading for those of us who believe that a polarized Jewish society is the best we can get. Yeah, uh, this is certainly true. You know, but again, I think once things developed, once the Medina came into existence and a lot of uh, power brokers started developing, and I would say, again, you know, to be fair to the Chazanisha's estimate of Rav Herzog, there was a lot of political pressure that Rav Herzog was knuckling under to. Uh, once Gius Bonois became not just theoretical, but Lamaisa, you know, things became ugly. And as the population grew, I think the, you know, the Grabyongs of the uh, of each side started to have a louder and louder voice. And, you know, we've talked about the terrible Pashkabilum that existed even in the time of Rav Kook, but I think once you had the community getting larger, issues of the state becoming bitter fights about whether it was Gia's bonus or anything like that in terms of uh, stipends and things for the for the from Haredish world, I, I think it, it, it created uh, a type of, as I said, a deadening vortex that was almost impossible uh, to come back from. Well, you know, I, my theory is that, uh, I think we've discussed this on the program before, is that the Makkah Patish was uh, Rabbi Gorin and it's Rabbi Gorin and the, and the uh, elections for the chief rabbinate in 1972. That's when the rift became permanent and uh, insurmountable. Well, behind the scenes, there was already the recognition that there was a rift. When Rebel Yoshev and company called Rachokham Avadia and said, look, we know Rabbi Yitzhak Nesim wants to be the next chief rabbi, but he doesn't have the guts or the personality, or really, to tell you the truth, the heck of and brilliance and learning to really stand up to Gorin, who is uh, who's going to be, be Machrev. Like, what be the next chief rabbi? So Rav Nisim wanted to... He was uh, a chief rabbi. He was the one who was pushed well, out. But he wanted to continue. Gorin had already started his meteoric rise. His, he was a television personality. Right. Well, uh, that's the point. In other words, it was a political thing. I, the, I think Lubavitcher Rebbe would not be macabre upon him, Rav Avadia. I don't know if, to, to what point maybe somebody he reneged on that because he was upset that uh, Rav Avadia had no right to take over Rav Yitzhak Nisim. 
Right. So, so you're going away to take off from Rav, Rav Unterman. Right, right. So again, based on the law, again, of Yerusha, Barabonis, and everything like that, which is a complicated... Uh, Why isn't Yerusha? Their terms are supposed to be right. You know what I mean? Contracts and Rabonis, and basically that you can't necessarily use the American system of limitations, and you shouldn't allow that. And if the person willingly wants to step down, that's something else, like Ocham eventually did. But my, my point is, is that it's not just that Gorin represents... Uh, I, I would sort of like compare it to Trump in a way. It's not that the Trump is is a proof that that American politics was broken. Tr- the fact that Trump was able to be oil is a raya that there was something rotten in the system. And the, Rav Gorin's brilliance, notwithstanding, really ma- a masterpiece. I've talked about the the the, the unfinished work on on Brochis, the Shalmi Brochis, which was, as far as I know, a one man a one man creation. And Shari Tahara on McVoyus, you know, the tragedy that is Klimagoran, you know, at a very young age, as you point out, Daskomas to his three Sfarim indicate that. And I would say, look, I don't even need Daskomas to tell you the truth. I can't say about the, the safer for Nezra Kodesh, but I will say the, you know, the, the obviously of Cook's Daskomas there, uh, indicates, uh, what he believes. The, uh, as you can see, he was 18 years old and you have Rabbi Sir Zalman's Daskomas. Where Mr. Salman calls him the Chavivi Ha'ili Hanifra Av B'Chochma Harav Agayna Chorav Uboki B'Shas Rishoyim Rishoyim and Rav Avram Garonchik, and Rabbi Sir Salman says he's from at, at 18 years old. He said he is Be'emes Men Ayichidim Amutzionim Bedor Shemimayaluma Vavu B'Madrega Rome V'Nisab B'Maylas Hatayra. And Rav Cook similarly writes again. This is towards the end of Rav Cook's life. He said that he was the um here in Yerushalayim. Chosen Tairi refers to him Nala Ha'ili Hamatsuyan Bedor, Edyev Lagoin with the Ferris, Gudula B Israel, Shlemavara of Rom Garonchik. Asher Oid but Oviv Yomov Nosmle Hashem Lev Novan Vasekho Toiv Lazbira Vaavas Tairo Vichemdos Amela Vishkedos and Nosan Balibo. He loves to be Miss Amel. Right, that was Rav Cook's Tvila for um, <laughs> for it makes the tragedy, it makes the tragedy even greater. Yeah, I have to tell you, I heard recently by one of my, our our critics and friends of the show that from some sefer that was printed from Zichroinos and and Mechtovim between the Machaber's grandfather and the Chazonish, that the Chazonish they also brought him Goronchik's father, Goran's father, along with his patron uh, Betzal Dublitsky, who I think is father, probably the father of Sari Dublitsky. They brought uh, Goran around to all the Gedeim at the time, including the Chazonish, and the Chazonish spoke with him in learning. And according to uh, what it was written in the Sefer, the Chazonish said the following: "Lilmaid hulo yocho," and I would assume he said it in Yiddish. Aval Hayat Sahora Kenanisht. What? Kenanisht, yeah. Ayat Sahara stipped him, he said in Yiddish, Ayat Sahara Dochifotolil Mode. 
אבל באוסר אונו מאוד יסבלו ממנו. That the Yitzhahara is pushing him, in the future we're going to be stable from this guy. Now, this story was printed, I don't know what the year of the Sefer was, but this is, I think, an example of sort of like, you know, rewriting history afterwards, yeah, where, um, you know, and to say the Chazunish was the only one, right? Mr. Zalbin and the uh, Rav Kook and the Tribuna, none of them were able to somehow be typhus that Rav Gorin was, 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 I don't know if we ever mentioned before in this program that there is, uh, There was a well-known, uh, at least ostensible, competition at the time for Rav Chasko Sarner's daughter, between all these Ibuye Yerushalayim, between Rav Avram Farbstein, who ultimately got her, then uh, Rabbi Goren, Rabbi Kulitz, Rabbi Avram Shapiro. And not Jolti? Jolti was too old already? And Rav Jolti also. And Jolti, yeah. Those were the Hevroner, those are the super the superheroes of Hevron, really. The incredible cup of, cup of Hevron. Yeah. yeah, it's quite it's it's quite outstanding. One of the other, yeah. So again, we could do a whole show about Gorin, but what I would say is that he became very farchapped by the, and I think it was I think it was real. He paid a tremendous price for Tzioinus, but he actually bought into it, and he was overcome by what was going on. He was really overcome. No, uh, I don't remember. I heard this from, and I sort of certainly from a person who was a Baruch. He said, "Had Rabbi Gorin stopped as being the chief rabbi of Tzahal." He'd be remembered as an incredible, incredible contributor to Amisro. And because he did tremendous things as he probably well, he upgraded on every single level what was going on with the army. Of course, there was no army. Uh it was a ragtag team, you know, in, in the 60s when Ragorn became, I don't even know what the exactly, you know, the Ravatsal, whatever they call it, the Ravatsava. You know, he, he instituted many, many things. But there, but as he became interviewed with Israelis. Uh, victories and in the six day war, of course, you know, deciding that, you know, uh, you know, he was going to make sure to be there, you know, for the photo ops and to be on television about it and talk about all the uh, different, uh, what it meant. I, I think a lot of it got to his head, but I think even before he was training with the soldiers, he was actually running around on the battlefield. He wasn't just, you know, you know, like some fat old guy sitting and learning Gemara and then they would call him out. He said, okay, take a picture of me. He was actually out there training with them. He was actually with the troops. And and I think the, the spirit and the energy that was so, you know, palpable of the, of the burgeoning Israeli army, I think it got to him in many ways. And, um, look, the, the, one only has to do the following. If you compare, The Trumas Hagoyrin, which is what's available on the Bariwan, which is the Chuvas from Rav Gorin. And you compare the quality of his thinking and where he's at compared to these early works. And again, these are, um, Hadish, I can't really talk about, but the other two I have looked at and learned, especially the Parish and the Yashalmi, it's almost like night and day. Yeah. Um, day and night. <laughs> yes, night. Right. Well, yes. This was a glorious period, the 30s, the 40s. And even in the picture that you're talking about, he doesn't have he doesn't get the same amount of covet as some of these other governors. But you have you have Yudel Grodner is in that picture. One of the people in this picture that I guess doesn't get as much publicity anymore. Uh although at one time he was quite a name here in the United States in Ertisro was uh Yudel Grodner. And you asked me before, you know, who was he? Well, I don't know what his actual last name was. I just know him as Yudel Grodner. Eventually, I guess he took on the name Gershuni. I'm not sure if that was his family name or not. But he was, like Rugorin, known as a very young age 
as an incredible Ely, the Grodna Ely. It sounded like he was a Talmud of Reb Shimon as well, of Shimon Shkup, uh, as and Reb Baruch, and Reb Baruch Bear. It seemed like he also went to Mir to learn by uh, Blazer Yudel Finkel. And everywhere he went, they knew him as, as an Ely. Uh, he, at 25, he, in 1933, he was Zoha to have a, a connection with Arkuk for a number of years as he went to Foreign America's Arav. Uh, he stayed there, of course, uh, after Rav Kook's Ptira, and that, of course, explains the picture of him coming uh, to see the Briskerov. He was Sharyosh of Cohen's Chavrusa, as the Wikipedia page. And also, I mentioned before, Moshe Tzvinerio, who uh, uh, tries to set the record straight, he also was hoarding with him as well. Really, a- again, uh, talking about getting smicha, he got he smicha from Rav Chaim Oizer, from Rav Kook. It's Maybe it says, Yeah, okay. So he was, I, I, both of us are somewhat familiar with his farm. He did receive the Pras Yisrael, uh, as did Chochmavadia and Rav Goren, for Chukas Pesach. Now, Chukas Pesach is basically a great place to start for Hilchas Korban Pesach of the Rambam, which is to me like, like everybody learns Hilchas uh, Chomas when when they want to learn the Rambam around Pesach time, uh, Rav Gershuni Sefer, however, is takes you into the other areas and a lot of nice chikiras and biurim in Korban Pesach. His other Sefer, Mishpat Amlucha, I I don't find it to be as consistent. I I, I like Mishpat Amlucha and I like Kotz of I think they're wonderful svarim. I think that they're very good Mishpat Amlucha. I was introduced to when I was in Shalvim already. That uh, is, uh, he's uh, very good uh, stuff on Hillel's Mbachim. He's very loose and a good resource. He likes to be Hemdo a lot, I remember, which is interesting for some of his Litvak. Yeah, but a lot of the Tzushtelen are Mehechi Tesedik. And also, Hillel's Mbachim is like that. I don't think that that's such a tiny And And also, again, it's you can't compare him to Reb Shimon. I think in many ways he is he needs an editor. He's not clear. Uh, Gershuni in how he's bringing out his ideas. I think a lot of times he'll compare, you know, the the, the sugis and the rishonim, and it, it ends up being mesuvach. I think the safer. I think he needed a, a better sounding board than whoever he had. I mean, Reblazer Silver touted him. I mean, uh, according to the legend, uh, Reblazer Silver had come to Eretz Yisrael a post World War II. And was taken to Hebron, and for I don't know. I guess Rav Gershuni still had a connection to Hebron in some way. We knew Rabbi Silva was there. And after Gershuni, uh, who at that time was close to forty years old, was hacking up uh, Rabbi Silva a couple of times and showing that the Hanochas he was saying were incorrect, he called him over and he said, "Look, And it turned out, of course, that uh, you know, after losing his first wife. Rav Yudel Grudner, uh, he ended up being Mishadich with uh, Rav Blazer Silver's daughter. And I think that's probably, if we want to compare it to, to Rav Gorin, uh, where things sort of get a little bit strange for, for Gershuni. He decides uh, in the mid-50s to come to America, you know, and although if you look on the Wikipedia page, you see that he was trying to create uh, an Eretz Yisrael type of yeshiva uh, for America, and he was going to spread the ideas of Rav Kook and you can see there's many Maimorim and Oran Mizrach and other places where Gershuni publishes, and he touts the fact that he's Rav Kook's Talmud. He was also involved in the politics of Agudas Rabbanim very strongly and involved in Hechsherim. 
he, you know, he was uh, involved in many, many share, some of which I think were somewhat questionable, including marshmallows and other things like that. So I don't think he ever really, uh, you know, really came to, uh, we talk about Gorin sort of becoming Makulko. I don't know, you know, Grunder, you know, uh, it doesn't seem like he actually, he really developed in his forum or in terms of his Derek Makshava into the Godel that he seemed to have been primed to become. Look, you know, he touted his relationship to Rav Cook, which I don't deny. Look, the Magid only saw the Malshemtiv for a very short amount of period of time as well. So within the year or so or the year and a half that he was in Merka Sarav as Rav Cook, and unfortunately the last couple of months was dying of cancer, I don't deny that Rav Cook's Kedusha and Hash, had a Hashba on him. But I don't see uh, anything like you know the 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 power of Makshava that you see uh, from Rav Cook in, in whatever Rav Gershuni wrote. I'm not as familiar, I guess, with his droshes more in this. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of the Talmud Rav Cook actually, like including we mentioned before, Shimon Sterelis, they were Talmud in Nigla of Rav Cook. They were not Talmud necessarily in his Makshava. I think the emphasis on the Makshava Rav Cook being his main contribution was much later. Was later. Look, I, I think it was all combined. The Nazir is obviously, and 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 Rav I think the Nazir is always seen as as being eccentric. Right, the Nazir and Charwap were both in the Machshav area. Maybe you're right. Maybe you know again. Uh, People Kharwap. like Hirsa Karieli, you mentioned before, also was also in Nigla. That's a you know he in Zagdamas to has a little bit of Rav Cook, uh, but it's not. It's, he was really a comment. Okay, a I, I think that also Rabbi Ranan, his son-in-law. And uh, Rabbi Frum, his grandson-in-law, all these people, or grandson-in-law also, son-in-law, these, I don't think they're, they're, they don't leave anything over in Machshava. Again, I, I don't think it's possible. We can have another whole program on this. I don't think it's possible to really be a... Rav Kook himself would tell you that it was one Chativa Achas, as Rav Zevin points out so magnificently uh, in his uh, essay on Rav Kook, that's an Isham Bashitas. But again, you see this in Rav Tzvi Yehuda, who maybe had a, an overemphasis of one. Yes, and Rav, Rav Kook. didn't have an emphasis on one, as we know. Yes, yes. From, yes. So I, I don't want to, you know, again, Rav Tzvi Yehuda obviously was overemphasizing one over the other. It's weird. It's weird. Look, Rav Kharwap definitely, you, 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 Rav Kharwap has his safer on, um, the, what's it called? Base Vul, right? Yes. On, on, uh, uh, very barichus, really, on, 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 on Yanam of Shas and Rambam. So I think you do see in, 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 in Rav Kharwap, we mentioned earlier this type of mesic. But again, Gershuni, uh, you know, again, Rav Cook told him he should change his name and make it a Ben Eretz Yisrael type of name, supposedly. His father was Gershon Yitzchok. Yeah. So basically, we don't, we don't, we're not sure of his last name. His father was Rav Gershon Yitzchok. And did America ruin him? Did that period, could he, if he would have stayed in Eretz Yisrael from the 50s to the 74, maybe again, maybe he could have had a, a greater Ashba. I got to know who Rav Gershon maybe, was. Maybe if we would say I also have a greater Ashba. Who knows? You know, there's 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 videos of him where you can see him clean shaven and uh, you know, I think proudly clean shaven in some ways. The way I knew him and uh, is my first year in Ner Yisrael, uh, they switched Masechtis after Pesach to do Psachim. We did Baba Kama till Pesach. And then after Pesach, like this is a seichel yeshiva dika seichel, right? After Pesach, we're going to do psachim, right? You came back from Pesach, now you know, okay, now it's time to learn psachim. Psachim is a very beautiful work, yeah. Yeah, so the shita mekubetzes on psachim. So I, I remember either getting it as a as a gift from the Rebbe or buying it, 
And it was it was strange because I knew what the Shittim and Kompetsas and Babakama was. Right. This was not the same thing. And this was not this, right? This was, what is this, right? It, and on one hand, he's like, he, he would quote Achreinim. On the other hand, he'd be Mavara Tesis, right? It was sort of like, you know, it was sort of like a Mechachtos, right? Like, I, I was only, you know, I was just barely 14 years old. I said, oh, here's the Shita Absochim. No, it's not, right? And I didn't know what the Sefer was. And, and and I think again, you might love his farm. I, I think the Shittim Gubet Samsochim suffers uh in, in the same way. It's sort of like, okay, I know Psochim, you know, is is it's a certain... you know, Iluya Shekep need to have their editors. They need to have people that can that they can see them through. And again, you know, as as you know, Ochen on Iluya, I think I guess is what we can say today of the people we've been talking about. You know, because I, I think his association with Laser Silver, although on one hand it brought him a lot of prominence uh, originally in America, I don't think it really served him so well eventually. You know, I think it was a, he never really made it. I mean, uh, in the Moetzes, never, right, even in Eretz Yisrael. So, you know, obviously he was uh, a, a big Oyev Torah that I knew from his Talmudim, that he loved to learn, he loved speaking and learning. And I think, uh, you know, his avasatayr, I think, is really the thing that I think we should, we should, we should elevate. And you're right. It's a good starting place, uh, Mishpat Amalucha, but it's, it's, it, his maskonas, I think, um, and, you know, people listen to say, By the way, he has, even though he was this, uh, uh, he holds that the Muslims in Eretzah didn't care to Interesting, no? Yeah, well, that's similar to Rav Kook's. article on, on minorities in Israel, and uh, he was not. I don't think that the other people in America as a Rav would be so sufficient with that. Well, that's me, well, that's main Rav Kook sniffed to be Meiko and they had their mechira. That was Rav Kook's chidush and they had that the Leisichanim doesn't apply to the Muslims. So I think I think it's in line with Rav Kook's psak. Look, you know, many people like Rav the Rav. After the person's nifter, everybody wants to claim his his mantle, but you know, and and I, I look, Rav Gershuni uh, clearly was uh, promoted people to to be involved in in Rav Cook's ideas and Machshava. I suppose it's unfortunate. You you mentioned on your thing, where did these people go? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it's. Uh, I, I once heard from one of his Talmudim. The problem was was that he loved learning so much and he wasn't that good at administrating. He wasn't that good at the other stuff. He was very good at learning, very good in his shear. He gave everybody a tremendous geschmack. And his Talmidim really feel that he was tremendously mustered to them. But I, I you know, I, I think once again, we talk about you know, the Chevroner Iluyim, the Iluyim of Eretz Yisrael, and what is, was their fate. Well, that's about it, my friends. We will catch you, hopefully, soon. Take everybody. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Music.